Um, in this series, we're taking Christmas carols that you and I know and have heard our whole lives and speaking the truths that are found in God's word about them. You know, when I was a kid, we uh, would always, and still to this day, in fact, when we're in Ohio and we do Christmas with our family, there's one tradition my family always has. It's just like, it's something we do every year. And when we go in, since I've been a child, okay, this is not something we came up with. This is something we've done since we were children. Uh, you know, there was four, five, six of us kids. I can't remember anymore. But there was a bunch of us kids, mom and dad, and we had presents, you know, just um, just like in our small house. It always looked like we had a ton of gifts. And we would come in, and it would be Christmas time, and, and it would be, we opened our presents on Christmas Eve. It's just what we did as a family. So on Christmas Eve, we would gather around, and me and my siblings, we would pick our spot. You know what I'm saying? When you pick up, anybody remember that? Like, hey, this is my spot. I'm opening gifts right here. I'll kill you if you come any closer. You know what I mean? So we would go in, and we'd pick our spots, and we were ready to rip into these gifts. We were so excited. But before we did, Dad always did two things. And when I say Dad, it really was only him, because the rest of us hated this, what he did. Because we're on the verge of a great night of opening gifts, and my dad would watch us drool and cry, ready to open the gifts. And my dad would take his big King James Bible, open up to Luke chapter number two, and he would read the Christmas story in Old English just for us children. <laughs> and we would be sitting there like, Then, after he did that, my dad would have a concert, and he would sing to us, and he'd make us all sing, but we all hated it, and, and one, one of the songs he would sing every year is Joy to the World, and the expressions on our faces in the living room was there was no joy in that room or in our hearts, but we're thankful there was joy to the world. What's funny now is that when our kids, now we have all have grandkids and kids, and when we all show up in the room now, uh, it's actually kind of funny, because now I get to watch my kids being tortured by Paul Paul, <laughs> having this solo concert, <laughs> singing Joy to the World. And we'll be there again, and we'll do it again, and I'll look at Judah Paul, and he'll look at me like, I hate Paul Paul, what are we doing? <laughs> I recently heard a story of a wife who invited some people over for a Christmas dinner, and at the table, she turned over to the six-year-old daughter and said, would you like to say the blessing? She goes, well, I don't know what to say. She said, well, just say what you hear mommy say. The daughter bowed her head and closed her eyes and said, oh, God, why did I invite all these people over to dinner? Come on, anybody ready for some Christmas eating and some family time together? The Christmas song, Joy to the World, was written in 1719 by the English minister and hymn writer Isaac Watts, and its lyrics are an interpretation of Psalms chapter 98 in the celebration of the birth of Jesus. Now, many of us have heard the scripture I'm going to read today. In fact, I heard it every single Christmas Eve for my whole life. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, allow me just for a moment to read a portion of the Christmas story as we get into the Christmas spirit. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. 
Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I bring you good news. Somebody say good news. That brings great joy. Somebody say great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snugly strips of cloth lying in a manger. Everybody say joy to the world. The angel on the night Christ was born declares to everybody, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. And this good news will bring great joy to all people. There's a scripture that says something like this, that when we are in Christ, that we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. That we have joy that is unexplainable, hard to contain. And the Bible lets us know that it is full of the glory of God. Can I tell you something? Just let me pause here. I got more to say, but we got something to be joyful about. The world gets happy. Hear me today. The world gets happy about different things. The scripture and the song is letting us know that the, the joy of the Lord, the, the joy, joy to the world, the next line says the Lord is come. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. So now hear me today. The, the world has joy when Friday night comes. Talk back to me, somebody. The world gets happy when the government comes or when the high comes, but we have joy because the Lord is come. Now, and now I'm sure there are people who have come to our church. Maybe you're here today or you're joining us online and you say, man, you know, it's just too crazy down there. You know, they're a little too loud, a little too vibrant, a little too wild for me, a little too expressive. And, you know, when I go down there, I see people with their hands raised. And, and between songs, sometimes you'll hear people cheer and people clapping. And I see people crying. And Pastor Tyson does this thing right here. I, <laughs> it's just so much. Well, I don't know what it is. It's just too much. Let me tell you something. If you knew what we know, you'd be shouting too. If you had what we had, you'd be praising too. If you had victory like we got victory, if you're healed like we've been healed, saved like we've been saved, you'd be cheering, you'd be clapping, you'd be shouting too. Come on, somebody give God a big praise. Come on, you got joy. I remember one time I do a lot of weddings and I was doing a wedding in Ohio one day and I was, just joking around, just being myself, just being myself. And I was joking, which is sometimes dangerous, but I was just being myself. And I was talking to some of the groomsmen and the bridesmaids, and I was just making everybody laugh in a good way, you know. And one of the boys looked over at one of the girls and said, can you imagine if he wasn't a Christian how much fun he'd be? Part of me was like, buddy, you have no idea. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, just kidding. But I thought about that, I thought about that, and I thought, you know, I wouldn't be happy or I wouldn't be joyful if I didn't have God. This is the best version of me. 
This is amazing. I'm blessed to have favor and be in light in relationship with God. What an amazing life. But isn't it sad that that guy correlated a good time with not being a Christian? He's like, he'd be so much funner if he wasn't a Christian. And part of that's our fault, isn't it? That if we got joy, listen to me, church, you should tell your face. Come on, just smile a little bit. Just, just smile. It's Christmas season. Let's just pu push your face up for a second and just smile. Look at somebody and just smile at them. Come on, do it. Just smile. Look at that. And that ain't too bad. Doesn't it feel good to smile? Feels good to laugh in church. Feels good to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I said last week and I'll say it again. The, joy didn't, the world didn't give us this joy so the world can't take it away. Aren't we blessed to have joy that's unexplainable and full of the glory of God? Sometimes, hear me, you got to remind yourself you got a little joy. Sometimes you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, no, another, it's Monday. Or you got to meet with somebody, you got to deal with some financial something, and it's just something every day, and you're just tired and you just don't want to. Can I just tell you today, remind yourself who you are. Remind yourself you're blessed. Remind yourself you're loved by God. Remind yourself you have the favor of God. And then joy just starts coming out of you. And you can walk into work the happiest guy in the whole world. One time, I was, this didn't happen long ago. I was, in, um, I was in Walmart here in Columbus. And I was scared the whole time, you know. But anyway, I'm just playing. I was in Walmart here in Columbus. And I, and I like to sing, and I don't sing quietly. My wife, am I right about it? When I sing, it's loud. It's just an expressive, because I, I got John Boggs jeans in me. As long as I don't got John Boggs jeans on me, that's okay. But as long as, I'm just playing a little bit. Lord, forgive me. We got to edit that out, Randy. Here's what I'm saying. I was at Walmart, and I was singing this song, uh, just being funny in the aisle. And it was an old hymn song. Like, you know, it would be, it was a, oh, what was it, Pastor? Oh, it was, oh, I want to see him look upon his face. Anybody know it? There to sing forever of his saving grace on the... <laughs> Almost. <laughs> Cares all past, home at last. So I was just singing in the aisle, and I looked down the road, and the lady was like this. She looked at me and says, you saved. I says, you saved too. We both got joy. Can't help ourselves. We got joy. Joy to the world. Scripture says the Lord is come. It's okay to laugh in church, somebody. I've gotten emails and texts before, and you're just too funny. You're too, you don't, listen, I'm on my way to heaven. I'm saved. I'm favored. Can I laugh a little bit on earth? Door to the world, the next line says, the Lord has come. The writer is helping us in this song comprehend the nearly impossible to understand that the Lord, God, has come to earth. Imagine that. The Lord has come. We, we have joy because the Lord is come. All of human history changed that night in the little town of Bethlehem because the Lord is come. The lives of Joseph and Mary were transformed that evening. The Lord is come. 
the wise man traveled many, many miles and brought gifts because the Lord is come. The shepherds spent a lifetime, no doubt, telling their kids and their grandkids and their, and their relatives and their friends about that night in the shepherd's field, about when the Lord is come. And untold billions of lives in the world have been changed for eternity because the Lord is come. Imagine for me, with me for just a moment, the idea that God came to earth. You know, when the United States president travels, Secret Service agents will take the lead months in advance to gather the logistics, months and months in advance, to clear airspace, to map out the motorcade route, to identify hospitals and other secure locations in case of an attack. Once the trip begins, Secret Service will, agents will always be around the president every step of the way. To ensure a stress-free flight, national agencies announce temporary flight restrictions days before the scheduled trip to restrict movement in a given area when the president or vice president arrives. The president will travel in a protective car known as the beast, as many of you have probably heard or read or studied, to protect them from assaults. The doors weigh a ton, tons of weight. This car weighs thousands and thousands of pounds. It can protect them from chemical and physical assault. When the president on inauguration day walks down uh, the street from the Capitol building, they will seal manholes and, and, and they will seal up mailboxes. I, I've literally read where they have padlocked mailboxes where no one could ever put a device to cause an explosion within any protective mile of the president. The subject is then led to a motorcade that usually includes 20 vehicles, the president of the United States, multiple cars, multiple motorcycles, and they cruise freely down the highway with every car off the road and everything just to ensure the president is come. Just to keep a protective layer around the president of the United States. He brings his entourage. He brings a presence. He is felt. He is known, but not our Lord Jesus. When our Lord came, when the creator of all time, who lifted the mountains, lowered the valleys, who formed stars in the sky, and the Bible says he named them each and every one. The Bible says he holds the universe together with himself, that the universe is between his thumb and his pinky. The scripture says that every one of our profiles are in his hand. God has Instagram in his hand. And the Bible says he, he, he came to earth. And when the Lord came, didn't have motorcades and didn't have police escorts. And he ate with friends. The Bible says he walked the streets. He touched the lepers. He blessed the children. He spent time with the outcasts of society. He attended a wedding. He slept in boats. He went to church. He prayed in the mountains. He cried at the funeral of a friend. The Lord has come. And you see, those lyrics, the Lord is come, is not just a lyric in a song, joy to the world, the Lord has come, just a song that we laugh at when my dad won't stop singing. It's, it's much greater than that. It's simply 
the, the declaration to all of humanity that joy to the world, the Lord of all creation has come down and removed the protective layer, has no secret service to protect him, no cars to ride in, no plane to ride in or fly in. He is come and he is touchable and he is accessible. It was the first time in human history that we could put a face with the name. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God has come to earth. Can I tell you today, I'm so glad Jesus came. I'm so glad Jesus, Jesus came. And there are three, I believe, foundational reasons why Jesus came. Now, these are, this is not an exhaustive list, but this is just three reasons I believe Jesus came. Came according to the word of God. Why we can have joy today. You know, sometimes I'll hear preachers preach on joy and their face is so rough and they're screaming at everybody. I'm like, get joy in your life. You're like, oh my God. But hear me today. When you really take some time to think about what I'm gonna preach about for the next few moments, it, it's hard to not have joy. When you think about the package deal you and I have to be in Christ, it's, it's an amazing thing. The first thing, number one, Three foundational reasons Jesus came. Number one, Jesus came to save the lost. Well, Pastor Ethan, we've heard that a lot. Well, a lot of people don't believe it because a lot of people think Jesus came to save church people. Or a lot of people think that Jesus came to make us church people <laughs> or to make us religious. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which is lost. Matthew chapter one, verse 21, the angel says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. There is nothing more important than your internal salvation. If you're not in relationship with God, the scripture teaches that we're lost. In fact, the scripture teaches that we're, we're, we're dead. If we have not repented of our sins and committed our life to God, the scripture teaches that we are lost and dead in our trespasses. I remember one day I was at work and this lady asked me in front of everybody, just one day in front of everybody, and you know, I'm normally not the type to get into a big theological debate on an airplane with somebody. My thing is, I look at it like this. Now, if I have to defend the faith and speak, and I definitely will, I'm not afraid to do so, but I oftentimes find it to debate with somebody doesn't work. But to love somebody and to just be myself and then see, the Bible says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. If they could see, that's like I heard one preacher say, if you can just get to know me, you'd love me. Now, I know that's not true for me, but for some people, that's true. But for me, I really believe that, that you need to know the, the Jesus in me, right? It's that scripture that says, uh, or know that old saying that says, sometimes you're the only Bible some people ever read. And so I just try to be myself and love people and care about people. And, and, and so many times when I've been at work or on an airplane, moments will come where I can have a moment to share. I was in a, an Uber not long ago and had the opportunity. It actually started as a conversation about race. This person was an African-American. I was white. And, it, and I'm still white. And I'm still... 
And as time went by, I had the opportunity to share the gospel with them. But we, we just had this human connection, not, not trying to prove that I'm a Christian. Jesus came to save you, sinner. Right? Just being myself, singing in Walmart, getting down. Just, being, just bring my joy with me. And try to love people. And, and I remember this lady asked me to work in front of everybody. She goes, what is it out of the blue? And none of them were saved, trust me. And I was in there, and she said, what does it mean to be saved? And I was over, that was actually my job at that particular day was I worked at a pumpkin roll factory. And I was sugar in the cakes. I'm really good at sugar in the cakes. Boom, 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 And I was sugar in the cakes that day. I normally worked in a warehouse, but that day I was in the on the boom, 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 boom. And she told me, What is what does saved even mean? And that whole room froze. And just stared at me. And immediately I was like, Okay, now you're asking me such a direct question in front of everybody. The room got dead quiet, and I was like, and by faith, I just said, oh, Lord, help me. And I just told her, I'm like, you know, the Bible teaches that we're saved from eternal damnation. The whole line froze. They're just listening to me. The Bible teaches that when we're in Christ, that we're saved from the judgment of our sins. Because God's perfect, he can't allow imperfection into heaven. So what he did, he sent his perfect son to die on our behalf. And so that when I get to heaven, I didn't come in my own name, I came in his name. And I'm saved not because of what I did, but because of what he did. I'm saved from an eternal life away from God, what the Bible teaches as hell, darkness away from hope. And I remember her standing there, and I remember them just getting back to work, and time went on. A few hours later, she came back out and started asking me more questions about Jesus and church and the Bible. And Here's the reality that Jesus came to save the lost. And hear me today, what lost is is simply this. You haven't had Jesus pay for your sins. Either you're gonna pay for them or he has already paid for them. And you have to ask and believe and have faith that Jesus died and rose again on the third day for your sins to be washed away. The scripture says to be white as snow. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. He has came to seek and to save that which is lost. And when you stand before God and you have not accepted Jesus, hear me, your sins are still indebted to you. So when you stand before God and God looks at you and says, depart from me, I never knew you. Horrifying words. Depart from me, I never knew you. Meaning that you never entered into covenant relationship with me and now you have to pay for your sins in eternal damnation. It was a free gift the entire time. The Bible says salvation is a gift. No strings attached. Just given to you. All you have to do is open it. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Can I tell you today, that's a great reason to have joy. Knowing that when you stand before God, it was not by works you got here. It was by grace through faith in Jesus Christ that you can stand with your head up and him say, come on in my good and faithful servant. It's a serious business to save the lost. Martin Luther said this, when I look at myself, I don't see how I can be saved. But when I look at Jesus, I don't see how I can be lost. 1 Timothy chapter 2 says this, that this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. It is God's will and his heart and his desire that all men and women, woman, man, child, teenager, come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And one of my favorite parts of every service is when we have the opportunity to give someone a moment to surrender their lives to Jesus or to restart or refresh their commitment to Christ. It's an amazing thing to look and to see hands go up. And that's why we're here because I believe that is the first ministry of Jesus is to seek and to save that which is lost. One life at a time. The Lord has come that you and I will be saved. Number two, Jesus came to heal the hurting. Jesus came to heal the hurting. I think we can all agree that we need healing in our lives. We need healing in our nation. We need healing in our emotions, spiritually. We need healing in our minds, our schools, our businesses, our government, our communities, our families, our hearts, our bodies. To bring a sense of wholeness, again, Matthew chapter nine, Jesus said this, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Jesus is letting the Pharisees know when he said that, that I'm the great physician, and I want to help people. I didn't just come to save them for eternity. I've come to heal them while they're on earth. And some people feel guilty for healing, by the way. Some people feel guilty for a couple reasons. Some people feel guilty to move on after they've went through grief with losing a family member. Sometimes they feel guilty moving on. But can I tell you today, God wants you well. Some people have been taught that God doesn't heal our emotions, our bodies. I wanna tell you something. I believe God wants you well. I believe there are people who, who, who believe that God is, has caused problems and, 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 and given you situations and circumstances to teach you a lesson. And can I tell you today, and I say this emphatically with no doubt in my heart, the Bible says all good things come from above. God did not give you cancer to teach you a lesson. Why can't he just teach you the lesson? Well, I'll tell you this, God can use hard situations. Don't get me wrong. God can use a diagnosis to strengthen your faith. But God didn't give diagnosis to give you faith trying to help us today because sometimes people just won't believe in healing and won't believe in restoration and won't believe that God can restore their life or their marriage because some people have false ideas about what God can do in their lives and in their marriage and in their kids when I want you to know this he said sick people need a doctor that's why I'm here I didn't just come to save them I also came to heal them he wants us to live an abundant an abundant life giving life joyful existence on the earth. I believe that. I've been with a lot of people that have needed healing 
and meet with people that are just dealing with things and hurting and broken and situations and that I just believe in my heart that many people are not wanting to embrace the idea because they're scared, but hear me today. However healing comes, oh, let me say this. Healing comes in different ways. Healing comes in different ways. So for some people, they can sit in this room and the word of God can just wash over them and it begins the process of healing, right? For other people, Amanda, they could sit and worship in the presence of God and they could raise their hands and that's a form of healing for them and that's legitimate. For others, it's okay to go to counseling. I said it's okay to have a third voice speak into a situation to help you see something. A good Christian counselor can help you find healing. I believe also laying hands on the sick. Bible says, and we shall see them recover. I just believe in all sorts of ways of healing people and people can find restoration in the way that God is trying to help them. Healing, God wants us well. Somebody say that, God wants me well. The Lord has come and he's brought joy and we have joy because first he came to save the lost, the second because he came to heal the hurting and number three, Jesus came to bring freedom to the captive. Bring freedom to the captive. How do you know if you're in bondage? Here we go, you ready? You're a slave to your struggle. It controls you. You, you are not able to resist it. You are bound by it. You are not in control. You're not at the steering wheel of your appetites. Whether it be sin, could be addiction, could be our anger, could be pain, could be unforgiveness, bitterness, could be drinking too much. Whatever it is, believers can be in bondage. Did you hear what I just said? Believers can be stuck sometimes. And I think sometimes the devil gets in our head and tells us that we're not saved because we struggle. Oh my, help this church today, Jesus. Because so many people will think if I was really a Christian, I wouldn't struggle with this. Right? But Jesus doesn't discount us because we struggle. In fact, that's why he came to save. It's broken, hurting, de deprived people who struggle. And in this text, we find that the, he says, the Lord has come. I got good news. The Lord has come come and what I find a lot of times is that people have let themselves become defined by their bondage and also because their belief system is it will never change hear me today they start making accommodations in their life for the struggles they have the mentalities they have for the struggles they face but John chapter 8 Jesus says so if the sun sets you free you are free indeed. You are free undoubtedly when Jesus sets us, when Jesus sets us free. Now, I'm gonna pray with you in a minute, but I, I wanna show you one verse that will help you. Uh, uh, Psalms 103, two through four, look at this. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Listen to it, ready? Who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases, and redeems your life from the pit. There's all three right there. 
Did you see it? He heals, he forgives us of our sin. He saves the lost. He heals the hurting. And he delivers those of us or frees us from bondage. That, that's the reason we have joy. That's why when we're in struggle and facing things, we, we can laugh and we can smile and because the Lord has come. I know it's simple today, but can you imagine not having Jesus? Some of us have been saved so long we kind of forget. But there is a world out there that doesn't have what we have. On their way into outer darkness. And we got to answer. There's a... Uh, In the lobby, there are these ornaments. There's a tree out there, and there's these little ornaments with little wood blocks, and I want you, or little wood things, I want you to do something. After service today, I wanna encourage you, I need you to take a moment and write the name of individuals or an individual that you know needs to be saved, you know needs to be healed, and you know needs to find freedom. Could be your daughter, could be your son, could be an uncle, could be a neighbor, could be a coworker. I want you to write them down. Then I need you to hang it on that tree. Here's the next thing I need you to do. I need you to pray on how to invite them to one of the Christmas services this month. I want to encourage you, the 23rd is a great time to invite somebody, say, hey, listen, you can sit with me. We're in a series. Maybe you can't come to that. Maybe you can come on the 18th. Maybe you can come next Sunday. But I need somebody to bring somebody who knows they need to be saved, healed, and they need to find freedom. Because at the end of the day, we are commissioned by our Lord Jesus, by what we found, freedom in Jesus, life in Jesus, salvation in Jesus, to go out and to preach the gospel and reach them and compel them to come in. That is our responsibility. So hear me today. Don't leave this building without a name in your head or a name on a piece of wood. You can hang on that tree that we're gonna be praying over it all month long for these names to find Jesus Christ. Listen, last year, I don't know if it was Easter or Christmas when we did the welcome home sign. Does anybody remember what was it? Christmas. Many of you signed names and put them on light bulbs and we screwed them in and it said welcome home. I don't even remember that last year. We did that, and there was a gentleman they just told me about that was uh, one of the names that somebody put on. Finds out he gives his life to Jesus, comes to the church, gives his life to Jesus. Ends up getting baptized a few weeks ago. And that may not seem like much to a lot of people, but it's one life at a time. It may just look like a name on a light bulb, but that's somebody's future eternal life hinging on maybe our prayers and our obedience to invite them to come find our Jesus. Because you need joy, I got some joy for you. There's a well springing up at 500 Holly Hills Road. You gotta get in that room. You gotta, you gotta get in the presence of God. You gotta try this coffee. I mean, it's gonna change your life. I heard an amen out there. Hear me today. I'll close with this. 
a few months ago, my wife and I, and I don't want to give too many details because there's going to be a story at some point with this, but last night I was actually studying for this sermon and a person came to my mind in our church and, I, and I, we called this individual last night just to check on him. It was kind of late. And a wonderful lady comes to our church. I see her in the room right now, but she, a couple months ago, she uh, got a hold of Miss Lindsay, our assistant, and said, hey, I would like to meet with Pastor Ethan and Lena and and, um, and, and normally, you know, my schedule's pretty full and I can't always take every request. And we got great pastors and great team that really helped me and I'm so, so thankful for all of them. I could not do this church without our team. But um, that day, I was like, yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll make it happen. So uh, they bring her in, my wife and I, we begin to meet with her. And she was so broken where her situation was. I don't ever recall seeing her before this day and we sit and as she's talking I can sense this lady is so close to a breakthrough you can sense it on people when they come to this point where they're bottomed out and she begins to cry and she begins to weep and and, and begins to confess and to tell us and to talk to us and my wife and I we stood up we went over to her in my office we grabbed her hands and and we prayed together she rededicated her life to God. Now hear this. This is the part I just love. She, she rededicated. Look, at here's the first thing. He saves the lost. She came in, just so you know, she told me she was hungover when our meeting. She had been drinking in the parking lot across the road because she didn't want to come in and meet with us. She said, the devil doesn't want me to cross the threshold of that door. She said that. We prayed together. That day, she told me last night, she has not touched a drop of alcohol, and that was two or three months ago, and she has never had that happen before, ever. This is what she told me on the phone last. I wasn't even planning on sharing this, but I told her, I said, I may share a little bit of this. She told me last night, she said, I've tried to quit before, just a couple of days, and I would stumble again, a couple of days. But something happened that day. She goes, I didn't even know I believed in freedom and deliverance like this. Can I tell you today, not only does he save the lost, but he also sets the captives free. And watch this, final thing. She's been going through counseling, Every time I see these altars open, I see her down here a few weeks ago. She was in my office, and when we finished praying, she did something I've never seen anybody do. Immediately, her hands went up. Oh, this girl is half drunk right now, you know? You know what she said? I haven't raised my hands in 10 years. Wait for it. Every time I see her, her hands are still up. And a few weeks ago, she got baptized. I sat right there. When she came out of that water, you know what she did? The hands went right back up. Hear me today. She told me last night, she's in the middle of process and doing things and, and finding major healing. I can tell you right now, she doesn't look the same, feel the same, talk the same than she was in my office two and a half months ago. Hear me. I can look at her and see that God has saved the lost that is healing the hurt. 
and he's delivering and giving her freedom in places of bondage in her life. And I'm telling you, the joy you can sense on her is so different than that downcast heaviness that day when we sat in my office. The Lord has come, stepped into her life, changed her situation around, and she has what the Bible calls joy unspeakable and full of glory. So can I pray with you today with eyes closed all over the room? I don't know your situation. I don't know what you're facing, but can I tell you today, do you need the Lord to come into your life? Well, Pastor Ethan, I'm already a Christian. That's okay. Is there a part of your life you need the Lord to come into? Are there some areas where joy has been drained? Are there some areas where victory has seemed to wane? Is there some areas where peace has left? Come on, let the Lord step into that situation like he did in Bethlehem that night and changed everything. I know it's a little early for a Christmas salvation message, but can I tell you today, Jesus came not just to live, but he came to die. And he gave his life for you so that wherever you are, you can find freedom. You can find healing you can find salvation. If you're in the room today, I want you to include yourself on this moment. If you sense the pulling of God, knowing that I need to give my life to Jesus once and for all and stop playing this game, or you need to recommit a fresh start to Jesus, this is a great day to do so. I want everyone in this room to repeat this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean with your blood. I believe that you died. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you're going to save me, you're going to heal me, and you're going to give me freedom in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen, amen. Come on, give God a big praise in the house. Will you stand with us all over the room? I believe Pastor Josiah is coming to close the service. But I just want to do one final prayer over these ornaments. Will you stretch your hand forth to this ornament as representation for the other ornaments? Father, you see every name that is going to be put on these ornaments this year. You know every home and household and business owner and teenager and friend and, 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 and child. You know every address. You know every situation. And I pray that by the hundreds, people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I pray that salvation will come. I pray that healing will transpire, and I pray freedom will be evident in the lives of people when we write their names or writing them in faith, and we declare and decree into the atmosphere that Jesus, you're going to save, Jesus, you're going to heal, and Jesus, you're going to deliver, and what the devil tried to do to take them into outer darkness, today, God puts a stop to it and says, I'll save them, I'll heal them, and I'll deliver them in Jesus' name. We pray, and everybody said, amen. Come on, give God a big praise this